Hallelujah. Thank you, Chaplain. Thank you very much. I salute all our lecturers and the older people in the house. Can we make them welcome? I also want us to celebrate the choir. I was so blessed. So blessed. I think the choir has made my job very easy tonight. The things that God was putting in my heart to share, they have created the platform for me to give expression to the mind of God. So where you are, raise your hand to heaven and affirm your commitment to God tonight. Say, Lord, only you I will serve. Just open your mouth and affirm that commitment to God tonight. Only you. Only you. Only you. Only you. Only you. I will not bow down to idols. I will not become a slave of my appetites. The things that my generation magnifies will not become the reason for my existence. Lord, it is only you I will serve. Make that a genuine prayer. Make it a genuine prayer. Yahweh forever and ever, forever and ever, it's only you. It's only you. It's only you. It's only you. You alone will be my God. I beg you, make that a sincere prayer tonight. Make that a sincere prayer tonight. Forever and ever. Yahweh, you alone will be my God. I will not bow to strange gods. I will not make idols out of the things that you have given to me as blessings. Only you I will serve all the days of my life. 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 To you I pledge allegiance. To you I am totally surrendered. Oh God, you are my God and you are my King, my Lord, my owner, my master. Lord, I bow before you alone. No man will compete with you in my life. No blessing will compete with you in my life. No opportunity will compete with you in my life. You are God. You are God. And I do not do this emotionally tonight, Lord. This is coming from the belly of my spirit and from a sincere place in my heart. You are God. You are God. You are God. You are God. Don't look around tonight. Open your mouth and affirm those words to Jesus. Oh, Marapati Levante Lekazi Ataya. Araboko Bregedele Baba Babo Baba 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 Baba. Elamarako Telebris Anavata Libaya Taya. 
from age to age, oh God, you do not change. Once again, I surrender my life. I make an announcement from the mountain tops tonight. It's only you. It's only you, Jesus. It's only you, oh God. It's only you, oh God. Only you, only you deserves my worship. Only you deserves my praise. This life you have given me, oh God, I will spend it at your service. I bow before you alone. I bow before you alone. Elion, Elohim, El Shaddai. I bow before you alone. I feel that we should just pray that prayer point for a few minutes before I begin to teach. So if you are looking around, you are missing a unique moment. These are love covenants that we are cutting with the one whom our heart loves. I will not bow to Satan. I will not bow to the idols of my generation. Only you are God to me. Only you. Ambition will not become my God. Money will not become my God. Fame will not become my God. Yahweh, forever and ever, to you alone will I bow. To you alone will I bow. Ora makabele bariata lanata. Just in case I'm wasting your time. And these are not the kind of things you want to talk to God about. Don't worry, you are allowed to sit down. You are allowed to close your mouth. But for you who is serious about Jesus, can you cut fresh covenant with your master? He said, if I am your father, where is my honor? If I am your master, where is my service? Oh, Ramana Kabilante. Yandile Kebula Only you are my God. Only you. Only you. Daddy, as long as I have breath, I will not bow to Satan. I will not bow to the God of this world. I will not bow to the God of this age. My knees will be bent to you alone. I bend my knees to you alone, O oh God of my salvation. Rabaracabo, Libra Natadi, 
Ayata, Etepanita Pati Paratata, Etalibra Soko Baliata. If you know no man is forcing you, let it flow from your heart. Lord, regardless of what I am going through, I will not bow to the Mount of Lions. I will not bow to the fiery furnace. I will not bow to the God of this age. Only you are my God. When I am broke, I will not bow. When I'm hungry, I will not bow. When I'm going through challenge, I will not bow. Let them withhold my promotion, I will not bow. Let them make me, mock me, laugh at me. I will not bow. I have only one king. I have only one master. He is Lord. He sits in heaven and rules. And the earth is his footstool. He sits in the circle of the heavens. And he beholds the inhabitants of the earth as grasshoppers. Only him deserves my praise. My life is a seed. is a sacrifice. is a seed of worship. And him alone. Will I worship? Oh, Rabakabolama. Sabalabola Bantelegaya. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, you are God from beginning to the end. There's no cause for argument. You are God all by yourself. You are God, oh, you are God. From beginning to the end, there's no place for argument. You are God. Three more times, you are God, oh, you are God, from beginning to the end, there's no place for a human, you are God, No place. 
we trust you tonight. Let the intensity of your presence keep increasing. That none of us live here the same way we came. Glorify Jesus. Exalt the Father. And let the blessings be ours. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For in Jesus' awesome name we have prayed. You may be seated. If you are, you've been here since we began the journey last night, by now you will have been able to understand that a generation can be lost. And you would also have been able to understand that if God wants to preserve a generation, what he does is that he raises a man who is willing to partner with him, even at the expense of his own life to see that the agenda of God for a generation finds expression in the earth. And if you understand that, you will also have understood that the indices by which a generation is measured is not in the amount of their material possessions, but in the knowledge of God. Now, what causes a generation to be lost? What causes a generation to fall out of the will of God is that they do not know the Lord. They do not know God. And if you were here in the morning, I said to us that there's information that you know about God and then there's a knowing of God that comes on the basis of personal experience. What we called personal Tonight, I want to push the ship a little further into sea and show you what consequences accrued to Israel on account of the fact that they did not know God. What was the thing that began to happen to Israel because they fell out of a critical requirement for those who will walk with the Lord? What began to happen to Israel? And you will find as we begin to read scriptures that the first thing that happens to a man, an individual, a generation that refuses to make the sacrifices to know God is that they will begin to build idols for themselves. Idolatry is a natural spiritual consequence from refusing to pursue God. Idolatry. And if you are a student of the Bible, you will find out that idolatry and sexual immorality seem to be twins in the spirit. One who will give themselves to idolatry will most of the time also find themselves engaging in sexual immorality. So sexual immorality and idolatry in the Bible, you will find that they go hand in hand. In fact, one of the ways that God describes idolatry is that he calls it adultery. He calls it prostitution. So whenever the children of Israel wandered away from the Lord and began to serve other gods, God will describe them as prostituting themselves. 
but he will describe them as committing adultery. Why? Because, like I said to us on the first night, on Friday night, that one of the symbols of knowing God is that it will be as a wife knowing her husband. So one of the metaphors that God used to describe his relationship with Israel is that he called them his, his wife. He referred to himself as their husband. You will hear him say things like, this day I have betrothed you, I have married you. So every time they turned their face away from God and were unwilling to make the sacrifices necessary to know God, they slipped or they fell into idolatry. And with idolatry will come her twin, which is sexual immorality. This was always the natural consequence of them refusing to know the Lord. If we were here in the morning, probably I didn't say it, but it should come to you as a revelation now. That knowing God is not an automatic consequence of salvation. That means that you are now born again does not mean that you will automatically know God. Salvation is just the platform that grants you license to begin the journey of knowing God. It's just the platform that grants you license to begin the process, the journey of knowing God. If you are not yet born again, you can't know God. So once you have come under the wings of God via the salvific work of Christ on the cross, it now grants you the license. You are now authorized in the realm of the Spirit to take journeys into God. Salvation is what allows God to bring you into his bedchamber where you can now look upon him and know him. Because you can't know God unless God chooses to reveal himself to you. You can't know God. If God does not choose to reveal himself to you, you can't know him. So one of the ways he reveals himself to us, like I taught us in the morning, is through creation. By the things he created, he reveals himself. Even his invisible attributes, he reveals them to us. By inspiring men to write the scriptures, he reveals himself to us. So in your personal dealings with God, God will choose to reveal himself to you because you have already come under the, the covering of the blood of Jesus that was shed on earth. So if you are not born again, the journey of knowing God never begins. You will only begin to experience such dealings with the Lord as relates to knowing him when you have first of all surrendered and salvation. And your surrendering and salvation is just the beginning. There are many sacrifices that will be required for you to know. And this is why many people, even though they have been around Christianity for a long time, they have not gone far in their journey. They don't know God. They enjoy Christian activity. They participate in Christian things. But that experience of knowing God on a personal level has not become their daily testimony. Because... If you are going to know God, it is going to cost you. And many are unwilling to make such sacrifices. There's a price to pay to know God. It will cost you your time. 
It will cost you your relationships. In some cases, it might cost you your very life. Not that you will die, but the ambitions you had as a child, God will come and demand them from you as a token of your love. And if you fail that test, you will not advance in your knowledge of it. Because when God wants to deal with us, he will come to us on the basis of things that are available in our realm. And he will confront us on the level of character. He will confront us on the level of appetite. He will confront us on the level of desires. And as we pass those tests and pass those dealings, then our knowledge of him will be deepened. If you are here, say amen. So this is why not everybody who gets born again automatically becomes intimate with the Lord. And like my father in the Lord, the Apostle Arumel Sahi will say, God does not have favorites. What God has is intimates. That means God is not good to one who is a child and bad to another child because he just wants to be bad. God reveals himself to us on various levels of intimacy to the extent that each individual is willing to make a sacrifice. Like we saw in the morning, every other member of that generation was willing to stand at their doors. Only Joshua was willing to go to this tent and stay there. The Bible does not record that Moses ever had a conversation with Joshua and said, Joshua, as I go, you stay. No. Joshua, by an act of his own will, decided that I'm tired of standing at the periphery. I want to find something in God that nobody else in my generation has found. If your work with God is not costing you anything, I can tell you for free that your Christianity is fake. The Christian life to which we have called has a price to it. It will cost you. And that cost is not the same for all of us. The price deepens to the extent that you are willing to press into God. The closer you want to be to God, the more he will demand of you. So those who are satisfied with outer court experience of God, God doesn't demand much from them. But when you now want to press in and you want to enter into his bedchamber, where there is nothing hidden between you and God, and you know God like you know your name. You know, the Bible says in the Psalms that he revealed himself to Moses through his ways, but he revealed himself to the children of Israel by his acts. Those are different levels of intimacy. So the children of Israel just saw miracles. They did not know the technology behind it. They did not know how God thinks. They did not know what was happening on the mind of God. But Moses saw the miracles and he saw the back room stuff, the back end of the activity. He knew God's heart. So to the extent that you want to know God, to the extent that you want to press into him, is to the level that God will begin to demand certain things. So watching of TV, for instance, is not a sin. Hmm? Watching of television is not a sin. Loving football is not a sin. 
But you wake up one day or you attend a conference like this and then you begin to cry. Lord, I want to love you. Then he comes in the night and says, no more TV. No more football. It's not a sin. But God is saying that if I'm going to take you on a journey with me, there are certain things in your life that I will now have to get rid of. So you hear great men say things like, all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. That's what the translation says. Another translation says, all things are lawful, but not everything is value-adding for my spiritual life. All things are lawful. That scripture is in relation to the fact that if you are going to know God, it will cost you. It will cost you. So you find people who truly know God, one of the characteristics of their existence or their expression in the physical world is that they are desperate and they are hungry. There's a hunger in their hearts to find dimensions of God that they know other men have taken for granted or other men are unwilling to press into. Now, when a Christian does not live with a constant, consistent, deliberate quest to journey deep into God, that Christian will naturally fall into idolatry. Naturally. If you don't begin to sing like the choir was leading us to sing, Yahweh, forever, you are my God. This realm has been designed for worship. If you do not worship God, you worship something. And you see, worship is not the singing of a song. Hmm? When we speak of worship in the context of what the Bible calls worship, it's not the singing of a song. And somebody will say, where's your Bible's Bible passage? Simple scripture. John chapter 4. You know the story, so let's, let's engage it. The Bible says that the Lord needed to go through Samaria. You remember that story? And then he came to a well, Jacob's well. And then he sat on the well, and then his disciples went to look for food for him to eat. The reason the Bible says that he needed to go through Samaria was because Jesus in his engagements with the Lord had discovered that there was a woman that he needed to meet. All you need to do is do careful Bible study and the Bible with, and Bible scholars tell us that going through Samaria to where he was going was a longer route. There was a shorter route to get to where he was going. But he needed to go through Samaria because there was a woman he needed to meet. And not just meet the woman, but in the meeting with the woman, there were things that he needed to reveal for us to understand. So when he met with this woman, he begins to speak to her about water. And then all of a sudden, the woman begins to say things like, or Jesus says to him, your ancestors worshipped. I want to quote that scripture correctly. So let's go to John, John chapter 4. It's not part of, I'm just following the Holy Ghost. Let's go to John chapter 4. So that we stay in the flow together. If you are still here, say amen. amen.
Okay, let's begin at verse 4. Verse 4. And he must needs go through Samaria, then cometh he to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, sat us on his well, on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. Verse 8. For his disciples were gone unto the city, away unto the city to buy meat. Meat there simply means food. Verse 9. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew, accept drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall test again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I give him shall never test. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing unto everlasting life. Then the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I test not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and him, he whom thou hast, is not thy husband. In that sayest thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say, that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him. How? You see the flow of that scripture. Worship is not singing. In fact, Jesus was saying in this scripture that worship is not even location-based. You worship in this mountain. We that are the Jews, we worship in Jerusalem. But the hour is coming. When they that worship him will worship in spirit and in truth. So worship is not what you do in a church building necessarily. You can do things in a church building that contribute to your worship. 
But if all you call worship is what you do in a church building, then you don't understand what worship is. You can use a song to worship, but singing in itself is not worship. Are you with me? Worship goes beyond singing songs. What then is worship? Worship is the way you live on a daily basis. That's what worship is. Worship is the outflow of your life on a daily basis. So worship does not start. I know that when we are coming to church, we say we are going for worship service. Worship does not start when you wake up to go to church. Worship starts from the minute you wake up on a daily basis. How you relate with your fellow men is worship. How you relate with God is worship. It's the outflow of your life on a daily basis. And God is saying that that outflow of your life has to be in spirit and in truth. That means it must be driven by the government of the Holy Ghost. That means what has happened to you in your spirit must have a bearing on the products that are coming out of your life on a daily basis. So you are living in utmost reverence, submission, and service to the Lord on a daily basis. That is worship. I give you another scripture. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, for this is your what? A translation says reasonable service. Another translation says reasonable act of what? Worship. So your entire life being surrendered to God in reverence is what the Bible considers worship, not singing. In singing, what you are doing is that you are affirming the things that are important to your life in a song. Are you here? Because the reason singing is not worship is because the human being has the possibility to say things they don't really mean. Are you with me? And don't be angry with me. Jesus, God and Jesus in the Bible said it. He said, these people draw nigh unto me with their what? But their hearts. I grew up in Lagos. They used to say that, I don't know how they say it in Yoruba again, that some people will lie down and be saying they are dobale, but in their spirit, they are standing up. Who is Yoruba here? Uh -huh. Mommy, how do they say that? How do they say that? Idobale koniwa. Tori ole dobale. It's a long story. He's, he's lying down and he looks like he has dobale, but in his heart, he's standing. You know many people do that in worship. If we strike the keys now, people can cry. I surrender all to you. <laughs> this is the same person that just last night the Lord said, give me your belly for seven days. 
And the person said, I cannot. And yet, because there is instrumentals and there is music, the person thinks that he is worshipping God because he's singing a song. If what is coming out of your mouth does not match the way you live on a daily basis, your worship is a lie. It's a lie. Worship is not singing. You can sing in worship. Worship is not church attendance. When we come to church, we can worship in church. Worship is living. And the way you live is that you live in spirit and in truth. Why? Because God is a spirit. So it is by your worship, by the way you live, that you can make a God who is spirit visible. Are you with me? You cannot see God with your physical eyes. But God wants men to see him through your life. And the way men are going to see him through your life is that your worship must be accurate. So you hear songwriters say things, my worship is you and your worship I am. What that means is that my life in my daily living gives credence to your existence. I worship you in my eating. I worship you in my examinations. You know this generation does not like to talk about examination malpractice. Some of the people that they have signed their shirt now, hmm, and they are jumping everywhere and celebrating in heaven. Heaven is weeping. You don't want us to talk about exam malpractice. We are a generation that can speak in tongues but cannot write exams by ourselves. You know, Christian, young Christians are asking questions like, what is cheating in the exam? So, so, sir, are you telling me, sir, sir? They get very serious. Are you telling me now that a brother asked me a question in class during exam. He just asked me a question for God's sake. Are you telling me now that I should not tell him and then the brother will now fail and God says that I should love my neighbor even as I love myself. Then the congregation will clap and say, Kai, you are cheating. There's no way you want to paint it. He said, it's not that I don't know it. I do, it's not that I don't know it. I've forgotten. I just, need, I just need somebody to tell me something. Then I'll remember it. So you mean that if, if I just ask, I didn't ask for all the answer. I just asked him to tell me something. And then he, as he just told me, ah, everything now came. You cheated in exam. And you, you see, it's a very simple thing. If your lecturer who is supervising the exam catches you talking in class, is it not an offense during the exam? Is it not an offense? It's an offense. But Christians want to pamper it because we think that it's when we enter church and start singing a song that we have started worship. We don't know that simple, simple things like that are the things that Jesus measures. If God cannot even trust you to write exam in truth and sincerity, how can he trust you with the destiny of a generation? Even Christians now don't know how to write Wayek by themselves. 
Even Christian parents pay for magic centers for their children. Some of us that are graduating now, your jump is not your own. Your wayek is not your own. You have the certificate, but somebody else wrote it for you. You paid money to get those degrees. Then you just want to lie down in the presence of God and say, Lord, give me my generation. Even Satan looks at you and he laughs. You are a comedian. You are not serious. And you know those things are not, will not matter for everybody at the same level. Hear me well tonight. Oh. They will not matter for everybody at the same level. When you want to get serious with God, then matters that you think did not, were not important will become matters arising. Because when God wants to pedestal a man, he makes sure that Satan does not have anything against him. This is why, immediately after Jesus' baptismal service, Matthew chapter 3, the Bible says the heavens opened and a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Bro, what better time to start ministry? There was an announcement from heaven. Everybody heard it. That was the best time to enter into the town and start ministry. But the Bible says that the Spirit of God drove him into the wilderness. One agenda to be tempted of the devil. God knew that the time for Jesus' manifestation had come. When Jesus is put on a pedestal, he wants to make sure that Satan cannot point a finger and say, this one is not qualified. You just want to get serious with God and then you need and say, Lord, I'm ready now. This life, do anything you want to do. Then he will now say, Wayek. Wayek. You will now wish you never took that detour. I was in a conference once and a woman broke into tears. They were sharing her story with us. She had been married to her husband for 12 years or so. And then one day she decided to get serious with God. And then God began to remind her that the boy who had been growing up in that home for nine years was not actually her husband's son. A day before the wedding, she slept with her husband's best man. A day before. And she got pregnant. And she hid it. But she came to a conference. And then the Lord said, you want to go far with me? Say yes. It's time to confess. So her pain was, how does she go to tell her husband? Even if the man is a man of God, you've lied to him for nine years. So it's not everybody that God will call to restitute those matters. Because not all of us are going to do destiny on the same level. But if there's a kind of platform God wants to put you on, Satan must not be able to point a finger. That's why Jesus said, the God of this world comment, and he has nothing. Worship is beyond singing. And the reason our worship is 
tainted with all kinds of humanity, all kinds of noise, all kinds of activity. It's because my generation is unwilling to make the sacrifice to know God. So even things like singing have become idols. All you need to do is go to our worship and praise concerts and see Christians dancing. You'll be ashamed. All kinds of dances from the world. You don't listen to their songs. How did you learn the dance? Bro, have you ever seen a dance step in this realm where the, the person is talking about women's breasts and buttocks and we are proud that at least he learned the dance from the church. Is there anyone? Meanwhile, all the dances on our platforms, spiritual platforms, look at our Christian videos. All the dances are from immoral videos. And we are doing it in the name of God. In the name of God. Now people will say, all these preachers, their own is too much. I'm trying to tell you that that is why God does not take our generation seriously. We are too flippant, too careless, too nonchalant. Nothing is sacred anymore. We take anything for granted. And then we just want to come to conference and pray for 12 hours. You say, it's 12 hours pressing. We are pressing. And then we speak it on ga, 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 sweat for 12 hours and cry, God, give us unical. And God is saying, you, you like this, that cannot even differentiate between the secular and the sacred. There's no, there are no boundaries in your life. You want to go to war like this, you will die in the battlefield. You don't know the spirits we are fighting against. Satan is not joking. Just like Chaplin was saying just now. You go and act one thing, one negative thing, then you go and live carelessly. Satan will turn you to sliced bread. You'll be shocked. He's always looking for an opening if he finds a small opening. Satan doesn't need much room. Oh. He just needs you to stand on the balcony and see a woman's naked breast while she's taking her breath. And you are finished. That's what he did to David. One small opening. Like I was telling the leaders when I was speaking with them. Just go and read David's story. That's one sin he committed with Bathsheba. Destroyed his testimony forever. Go and read it. Even in Matthew chapter 1, when God draws the genealogy of Jesus, he makes sure that generations unborn will remember that David was not perfect. The same one that the Lord said is a man after my own heart. He put it there. And this begat that. And this begat that. And that begat Solomon of her who was the wife of Uriah. It will be there for generations. Nobody will forget it. One careless mistake. One. Satan doesn't need much. Just one small opening. That's why he's called the accuser of the brethren. He stands before the Lord day and night accusing the saints. And God is a God of process and laws. If Satan brings accurate accusation, God will not say it's a lie. He will look for a way. That's why when Adam sinned, he had already spoken that if Adam sins in the day that he eats, he will die. He could not just stand up, even though he has authority and power. But if a God that can change his talk every time, 
is the God we are trying to save. How can you trust his credibility? So he spoke and said, man has died, but I will find a way to save him. So he had to come to a legal means to save man. We are too, we are too, we are too nonchalant. And that's why many idols have risen in our ranks. Judges chapter 2 verse 11. Let's continue now. Verse 11. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Judges chapter 2 and verse 11. I told you that that's where I'm going to stay throughout my session. Except something happens tomorrow. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balim. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. 13. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreth. Remember that in verse 10, the Bible says, a generation arose, arose that did not know the Lord. The consequence of that deviation is that they began to serve Baal and Ashtoreth. Their failure to make the sacrifices necessary to know God resulted in them creating idols for themselves. And they told, turned to Baal and to Ashtoreth. Baal is the male fertility god of the Canaanites. Ashtoreth, on the other hand, is the female warrior goddess of the Canaanites. In the worship of Baal, in the temple of Baal, eh, part of their worship proceedings, when they come to the temple to do their worship proceedings, they had prostitutes, women, who were dedicated to the worship of Baal. So when men came into the temple to worship, they slept with those women. So part of the idol worship included sexual orgies, as they are called. So multiple sexual activities were happening in the temple as part of their worship proceedings. And the reason they did that was, according to them, the more women, those um, cult temple prostitutes, the more they slept with men, the more Baal became more fertile. And as Baal became fertile, that's how he made his children that served him fertile. So part of the way they serviced that idol and serviced that altar was with sexual immorality. That's why in Numbers chapter 25, the Bible says that Israel came to a point in their journey and they, they were surrounded by Moab. Have you read that story before? Oh, media, help me. Numbers 25 from verse 1. Numbers 25 from verse 1. Just stay with me. I'll soon, I'll soon touch base with where God is leading us tonight. Numbers 25 verse 1. Okay. And Israel above in Sittim, and the people began to commit what? Wardom with the daughters of Moab. Next verse. 
And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods. And the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. Next verse. And Israel joined himself to Baal Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Four. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. Verse 5. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. Verse 6. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Verse 7. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. Verse 8. And when he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly, so the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. God was angry. They were sleeping with Moabite women and they were engaging in idolatry. In fact, one of the Israeli boys was so bold that while others were weeping and crying and saying, save us, he carried the babe right in front of them. Past the front of Moses. The Bible says, in the eyes of Moses and in the eyes of all Israel. And carried her into the tent to go and continue the very thing that was making God angry. But Phineas said, over my dead body, I will not be alive and see a generation suffer for the sin of certain men. You know when Israel sinned, it was not everybody. Oh. Some people didn't join. But when the consequence started, it was not checking whose house was not involved. Everybody was suffering the consequence. Phineas said, enough. He carried the javelin. Went into the tent. Struck the man and the woman. This is the part that stirs my heart. The Bible says, and the plague ceased. So it means that God was waiting for somebody to stand up to fight for his jealousy. But you know what my generation does? We are pampering idolatry and immorality. We pamper it. We make excuses for it. If we are not pampering it, we are joining them to celebrate it. So you watch comedies on Facebook that is about a woman's breast and buttocks. How is that comedy? How? How? How is that supposed to make you laugh? Somebody says he's doing comedy and the entire thing about the comedy is a woman's breast everywhere and buttocks. The camera is focused on the buttocks and you as a young man, you know that that thing can kill you but you're opening your tentacles and saying, now wow, now wow. Then you run into church to say, Lord, save me from immorality. Your worship on a daily basis has shown God that your heart is lusting after the immoral. The things you watch, the places you go, you don't need to build a shrine in your house first. There's an easy way to confirm whether you have an idol. I will show you four ways to check your life to see if you have an idol. There's a four-way test I will show you. 
No wonder John the Beloved, in 1 John chapter 5, is the last verse. That's how he ends that first epistle. He says, little children, beware of idols. 1 John 5, 21. Do we have other translations? Media, do we have other translations? Do we have NLT? Eh? I'm not seeing the media people. Yo, do we have NLT? Yes. So, okay, if we have NLT, give me 521. 1 John 521. Dear children, keep away from anything that might do what? Takes God's place in your heart. Because your life will always move in the direction of the things that your heart loves. Whatever captures your heart will control your life. And that's how idols are born. What idols do is that they first of all capture your heart. So a, a simple thing like football takes God's place in your heart. A simple thing like marriage takes God's place in your heart. Your parents can even be God to you. Money takes God's place in your heart. He says, keep away. What he's saying is don't make idols out of anything. Beware of idols. It was idolatry that Israel fell into. That the Bible says the anger of the Lord was kindled towards that generation. The anger of the Lord. And you know when I was reading this place, I said, Lord, is, it, is that why this generation is praying like never before. Go wherever there are young people. The prayer fire is burning. Young people are praying. There's 10 hours. People are doing 72 hours, non-stop prayer. And yet, the more we pray, the more it looks as if we cannot generate the results of our fathers. What has a generation done that it looks as if God is trying to say, I cannot, I cannot give myself to you. I know, I know you people. The anger of the Lord was kindled. And you know, I took my time to study this thing. God, why is it that you are angry? Why are you angry? The Bible says they turned away from the Lord and they began to serve idols, Baal and Ashtaroth. Lord, why are you angry? If they want to serve idols, leave them now. Be serious with the people that want to be serious with you. Leave them. But the Lord now pointed me to Joshua chapter 24. When you get home, eh, read it quietly. I wish we could. Oh, I'm okay. I should be rounding up now. Eh? Okay. When you get home, read it carefully. Eh? You will see that when they came out of Egypt, when they came out of Egypt, Joshua went to meet with the Lord and the Lord began to tell Joshua, he said, go and tell the people. Joshua now came back and began to tell the people everything the Lord said. And he said, you decide by yourself. Do you want to serve the Lord? They say, yes. We will serve the Lord. Everything the Lord has said, we will do it. Let me look for one verse. Joshua 24. Let me look for one verse. I wish we could read the whole thing, but there's no time. 
to verse 19. Go to verse 19. Joshua 24 and verse 19. Let's just read from verse 19. Then Joshua warned the people. You see, after they were emotional, we will serve the Lord. Huh. Joshua said, I've been, I've been behind the veil. I know God. <laughs> this is not an emotional decision. He began to warn them. You are not able to serve the Lord, though. If you know, say, you're not going to fit. Talk now. You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you cut covenant with God and you now decide that you want to do evil in his sight, he will punish you. Joshua was warning them. Go to the next verse. 20. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been what? Good to you. Next verse. 22, 21. But the people answered and said, Joshua, you know, in meetings you can get emotional. I said, Lord, any day I try to sing, kill me, kill me, kill me. He said, Lord, the next time I look at a sister's breast, damage my eyes, make me blind. Huh. And God is looking at you. Are, are you. are you ready to walk with me? This realm is designed for worship. If you don't give God all of yourself totally, you will bow to Satan. One of Jesus' temptations in Matthew chapter 4, he took Jesus to a high mountain and showed him the glory of the kingdoms. And in 4 verse 9 and 10, and he said to Jesus, all this will I give to you if you bow down. And worship me. Satan is still looking for worship till now. And Jesus said, Get away, Satan. It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and Him alone. Somebody say, Him alone shall you serve. Go back to my Joshua for me. Oh, don't remove that Joshua. Go to 22. See what Joshua now said. He said, you are witness to your own decision. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied. We are witnesses to what we have said. So when they decided to follow Baal, when God came, he came in his anger. I didn't force you. You are the one that says you want to serve me. Be holy. My brother, God doesn't want to share you with anyone. He doesn't want to share you with anything. Nothing. Let me show you a few things and then we'll pray. Today the Lord will break yokes. What is an idol? An idol is anyone or anything you prioritize above God anyone or anything you prioritize above God is an idol. You see me? In the order of things is Jesus before my wife, before my children. Jesus first. 
Anyone or anything you prioritize above God is an idol. If you are giving your affection, your attention, and your adoration excessively to anything above God, that thing is an idol. Because the way we measure priority is in affection, is in attention, is in adoration, is in loyalty. That's how we measure priority. Your affection, your attention, your adoration, your loyalty. So anything you are giving excessive attention, excessive affection, excessive adoration above God has become an idol. Your academics can be an idol. Your husband can become an idol. Your children can become an idol. Money can become an idol. Your comfort in this life can become an idol. Number two, what is an idol? Anything you are willing to spend more time with than God. Anything you are willing to spend more time with than God is an idol. Your mobile phone can become an idol. Just like we saw in the drama where the, the girl who was representing the generation exchanged her crown for a mobile phone. Anything you are willing to spend more time with than God is an idol. If you are spending more time on social media than you are spending alone with the Lord, social media has become an idol. Anything you are willing to spend more time with than God is an idol. Especially when you are willing to sacrifice your time with God to spend time with that thing is an idol. So your time of prayer, your time of Bible study, your time of meditation, your time of fellowship with the Lord, you are consistently sacrificing it to spend time with that thing. That thing has become an idol. That thing can be a friend. It can be a relationship. You talk to that brother on phone, hours, you can spend 30 minutes with God. You can gist for six hours. You can read scriptures for 30 minutes. It has become an idol. How do you identify idols in your life? Let me show you four things. How do you identify your personal idols? Remember I told you the first thing is whatever captures your life, will, your heart will control your life. So the first place to check is your heart. And theologically, your heart is not this thing beating in your chest. Your heart is your soul. Maybe if I have time tomorrow, I'll deal with that. But your heart is your soul. So whatever captures your soul will control your life. But how do you identify your personal idols? Number one, check what consumes your time. What do you spend your time on? The thing that takes most of your time most likely has become an idol. Number two, what consumes your money? Check how you spend your money. Especially when you have free cash. When somebody just sends you free money, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? What do you spend your loose cash on? Some of us have never bought anything spiritual to feed our souls. Even the Bible you are carrying, they dash you. 
You've never bought a spiritual book? Never invested in anything spiritual? Everything that you have in your Christian faith is free. Even to have Bible software, if they say, this Bible software, you can study this, study, pay one dollar for it. Never. Say for this hard economy. But you can buy data. You can eat, eat fish. You can eat food. Check what consumes your free money. Number three. Who do you desire to please? Who do you desire to please? If your consistent pressure is to please men, most likely you have made an idol out of men. Do you know that some young ladies now are even ashamed to tell people that they are virgins? Ashamed. Girls are talking in their room. Say, ah, sex is sweet. Oh, I slept with this man yesterday night. I slept with this man. Say, what's your body count? Say, my own is 25. Say, God, until you are too much. The other one say, my body count is 32. Say, God. Say, I will soon catch you. I will soon catch you. After this weekend, then they ask the Christian girl that is in the room. She's making Indomie. And in her mind, she say, if I talk now, they'll say, I'm, 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 uh, I don't have hope. Why? Say, Sandra, I know say they go to church, but all these church girls, you people used to do your own underground. What's your body count? Say, a little, a little. She's ashamed to say she's a virgin because the world's corruption has been magnified. They are pasting immorality in our faces. We are ashamed to bear the flags of purity and righteousness. Those who serve Satan, they serve him boldly, unashamedly. But those of us who are Christians, we are ashamed. We want to please men. We want to fit in. We don't want them to say we are Jim Jim. Say, your own is too much. Your own. Go and check how our father served God. They served God radically. When they met Jesus, oh, nothing else in this world mattered. If you like, call them um, um, foolish people. They don't have open eye. They will laugh at you because when they looked at you, they saw a dying man. There's nothing you had that they envied. The Bible says any man that is not born again is dead. Dead. He can be wearing a suit. He's a dead man. It's because he's not seeing himself in the spirit. So he does not know that a stench is in a tomb. He's a corpse. He's smelling in the spirit. He's dead. But my generation that is alive, we are envying dead men. A brother will be kind in church. Lord, you are blessing Yahoo boys. I've been serving a Yahoo boy. A dead man. A thief with handcuff in the spirit. If he dies, Satan is waiting with a big rope to drag him to hell. You carry life in your spirit. You are envying dead men. It's like somebody going to the mortuary on, on tomorrow morning and seeing dead body there. He said, Kai! Say, dead body, fine. See as dead body, fine. Kai! Mortuary attendant, I like be dead body. Show me my space. That's how many Christians live. He said, do not envy the wicked in their prosperity. He said, like shaft, the wind will come and blow them away. 
who do you desire to please bro do you know that this is my generation we cannot and i'm not trying to be a bad man i'm telling you for free i've been around long enough we cannot answer like ananiah hazael and mishael this generation cannot joking we are not careful to answer you in this matter wait to in their very presence they went and heated the furnace seven times the men who went to heat it they didn't survive the journey they died and all they needed to do was to bow do you know that this my generation would have started quoting scriptures say wisdom is profitable to direct say I will bow now but when I come out I will tell Jesus that I was under pressure Oh, the Bible says, if you will, if you cannot, he that will come after me, I will not hate his mother, hate his father, hate his siblings, and even his own life cannot be my disciple. It's in the Bible. It's not me. They stood and they looked a tyrant. The man Nebuchadnezzar was the strongest man in the world at that time. The most feared. Nobody dared challenge him. They look Nebuchadnezzar in the eye and say, Oh king, we are not afraid. We are not careful to answer you in this matter. The God whom we serve, only Kadia, those were boys that knew God. They have had intercourse in the realm of the spirit. We know that he's able to save us. But that's not the, the beautiful thing about that message. They said, even if he does not save us. I am a Even if we die, our condition does not define who God is. Even if I'm not healed in my body, I can still lay this my hand upon the sick and they will recover. Even if He does not save us, He let hunger kill us, put us in the fire. We are in a hurry to die. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Even if he does not save us, you, we will not bow. We will not bow. We cannot make an idol out of a man. Yahweh, forever, you alone will be my God. We will not bow in the secret. We will not bow in the open. Our king is one. And only him we will please. Who do you desire so please last not least who do you fear if there are things or there are people in your life that you are afraid that if you choose the way of the Lord they will ostracize you most likely that thing has become an idol who do you fear who, do, who are you afraid that they will cut you off they will count you among those that are not that are not important if there are people like that in your life and because of them you are unwilling to go the distance with the lord those people have become idols the prayer tonight is very simple save me from idols because you see the bible says the reason he was angry you see bro your your your, your ambition to be a great man in this world can become an idol If as a Christian you cannot lay your ambitions down and say, Lord, 
this life, even if I die a non-entity, but I die accurate in your hand, I'm satisfied. I have no ambitions. Oh, no glory in this world. No great name here for me. No glory in this world. My great reward is you. I wouldn't trade you for gold. Your presence is my Lord. My goal is to see your face. And hear you say, well done. No glory in this world. No great name here for me. No glory in this world. My great reward is you. I wouldn't trade you for gold. Your presence is my Lord. My goal is to see your face and hear you say, well done. Uh, hallelujah. I'll keep singing the song of saints till I reach my home. <laughs> Hallelujah! I'll keep chanting the chant of saints till I reach my home. Rise on your feet tonight. Hallelujah! I'll keep singing the song of saints till I reach my home. deliver me from idols when we started you prayed you said Lord I will not bow I will not bow you alone are my God can you be sincere now what consumes your time what consumes your money what takes your affection your attention your adoration your loyalty how do you spend your time is there not an idol in your life has first class not become an idol has money not become an idol has sex not become an idol have you not become a man pleaser have you not become a man pleaser can you beg the lord save me don't allow your rot kindle
handle upon me. I don't want to be like a generation that you were angry at because they turned aside from thee and began to serve idols. Have mercy upon me. When I started my Christian journey, Lord, I was not like this. But now I have made idols out of my love life. I have made idols out of my ambition. I have made idols out of my pursuits. I have made idols out of my academics. I didn't come to school to fail. But Lord, there is more to my life than a degree. Lord, deliver me. Can somebody be sincere tonight? When the Lord was pointing idols to you, can you beg the Lord, deliver me? This thing is an idol. Save me before I destroy myself. Save me, oh God. Save me, oh God. Save me. Daddy, save me. I don't want to become my own enemy. Deliver me from the love of money. Deliver me from the love of money. Money is an idol. Daddy, save me now. Daddy, save me. I don't know why I'm ashamed. I am a man pleaser. I cannot bear the banner of righteousness. I get ashamed when men look at me. Save me from idolizing men. May I worship you only. May I worship you only. May I worship you only. Sure you are praying daddy break the hold of idols off of my life deliver me how come i can sit in front of television for hours i cannot spend time in bible study how come i can be on social media for hours i cannot spend time in bible study daddy deliver me now i got covenant with you tonight save me daddy save me when i met you i was not like this i have become cold i have become dry i have elevated idols even my walk in church has now become an idol and my secret life is suffering i want my worship to be sincere i want my worship to be open i come to you in spirit and in truth have mercy oh god have mercy oh god have mercy Pray for two more minutes. Addictions are breaking up of people's lives. Demonic activity. Wherever there is a hold of Satan is breaking up of your life right now. You are being set free. Your heart is being liberated. Your soul is being liberated. You are not a slave to your appetites anymore. You are not a slave to men anymore. That idol is breaking off your neck. Breaking off your heart tonight. I'll keep singing the song of saints till I reach my end. I will not serve the gods of my generation. I have only 
yesterday and you were not here this morning idolatry and immorality go hand in hand and one weapon the devil is using against our generation right now is sexual immorality you are here and sexual immorality has damaged the potency of your calling damaged your work with God you are saying, man of God, I'm tired. I want to settle with Jesus. He's my only master. Sex cannot be my God. Pornography cannot be my God. Where you are, come quickly. I just want to pray for you. I want to join faith with you that your deliverance will be total tonight. Come. God bless you. Come. But eventually you are not even born again. I told you, you can't begin the journey of knowing God without salvation. Come quickly, come. <laughs> I'm waiting for 10 people. Where are they? Come. As you come, just talk to Jesus. It's between you and him. Don't look at anybody's face. Let the people that are looking say, oh, so she's fornicating or she's, she's doing what is nobody's business. It's between you and Jesus. Come. Man of God, I'm not even born again. So I am a dead body, rotting and smelling. Yes, sir. But you can receive life tonight. 
You can receive life tonight. Come from wherever you are. Come. I saw 10 people in the spirit. Once I see 10 of them, I will start praying. The people I'm praying for will not be less than 10. Come. Jesus, tell him I'm here. You help the weak, help me. Deliver me from this appetite. Sex cannot be my God. Pornography cannot have a hold over my soul. I break free. I join faith with you. Right now. That he who sets free, he sets you free now. And if the Lord sets you free, you are free indeed. Every attachment in your mind, in your body, in your flesh, I disconnect you from it now. Every shame that has kept you hidden in sin, that you are willing to break free, shame that has held you. I'm hearing that in my spirit. You are so ashamed. And because of shame, you have continued. That shame and guilt is broken off your life now in the name of Jesus. You are delivered. Oh, mighty God. Let the, the work of deliverance begin tonight. Tonight, tonight. Tonight, Jesus. Tonight, Jesus. Tonight, Jesus. Tonight, Jesus. Tonight, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I can't make this as an altar call because I know that there are many people. You want to make a vow. That Lord, I am consecrated unto you. Whatever you want to do with my life, I am ready. Put your hand on your chest and just talk to him now. Just like they did in Joshua 24. Don't be among those that are going to break that covenant. Tell him, I will serve you. 
with my time, with my body, with my money, with everything that I have. I am yours. Choir, let's sing this song as I sit down. The impact of my life is how much of you I carry. Is that not the first line? Oh, the value of my life is how much of you people see.